MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. Today, Trump throws Rudy under the bus again. SCOTUS grants cert in an abortion case that puts Roe v. Wade at risk. Joel Greenberg actually finally pleads guilty and agrees to cooperate. A Republican voted for Trump on behalf of his deceased wife that he's accused of murdering. Anthony Blinken says there was no evidence of Hamas in the Associated Press building bombed by Israel. An insurrectionist is accused of having a firearm in the Capitol on January 6th. And Biden announces his plan to send vaccines abroad. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. What the, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Allison Gill. <laughs> I've been told I need to rebrand as as my own self. Tell me when this is going to happen. We have a pattern here. You said Alison Gill, and I was like, well, who the fuck am I then? If you're Alison Gill, am I DG? What's going on? You're Dana Padena Goldberg. Oh, my goodness. Everybody knows your full name. Hi, my friend. Hello. (sighs) Um, Yeah, since I'm doing like a a book and stuff, people were like, you should start going by your real name again. And I was like, okay. I think I will. Yeah, I get that. Uh, So we have a ton of news. There's news that's not even in what I just said. For example, last week during, you remember the testimony given by former acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen and former Mm -hmm. acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller, all that BS. All that acting? Yeah. Yeah, well, (laughs) Nazi rep Gosar and a bunch of other Republicans repeated a common refrain that the insurrection wasn't armed because nobody had guns. As we know, an insurrection doesn't have to include guns to be considered armed. Many of the insurrectionists beat cops with flagpoles and tire irons and sprayed them with bear spray and tasers and hit them in the head with fire extinguishers. That's an armed insurrection. But we learned in a court hearing this morning that Christopher Alberts has been handed a superseding indictment that says on count six, Alberts did carry and have readily accessible a firearm, that is a Taurus G2 semi-automatic handgun, on the U.S. Capitol grounds and in any of the Capitol buildings in violation of Title 40 U.S. Code Section 5104 E1A1, unlawful possession of a firearm on Capitol grounds or buildings. Hmm. There you have it. And you know, a lot of these guys are military trained. So if you think about it, technically, they don't even have to have a physical object in their hand. They are trained to kill people. Their hands alone can be considered weapons. I, I guarantee you they have all at one point in their life either kissed their biceps and said, welcome to the gun show <laughs> and or said, these hands are deadly lethal oh, weapons. And I so, want to correct myself. They are not trained to kill, but they are trained in certain circumstances. If they need to, they can. Some are. Yeah. Without weapon. yeah I just didn't want to overstep on that one. <laughs> These are lethal weapons. Okay. The and show. <laughs> another another piece of news. This was just unsealed. In the last weeks of the Trump administration, William Barr's Justice Department tried to use a secret grand jury to unmask Devin Nunes's mom, that the parody account at Nunes Alt on Twitter. Oh, I was like, what is happening? Because I need some more information on this. But you know how he tried to sue the Devin Nunes's cow and he tried yes. to sue Devin Nunes's mom? Well, apparently 
Barr used a secret grand jury to try to unmask who that to was. See who it was. That's frightening. It is. The most I've ever gotten from uh, proxy FOIA requests like about me was that my social media was being discussed at directors at the secretary level of the agency I worked for. This is the Department of Justice trying to impanel a secret grand jury. Well, all grand juries are secret. To try to unmask this person. That's Wow. That's a lot. That is a lot. It is intense. I'm glad it didn't work. But we do have a lot of news to get to the stuff that I read up at the top. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So this is interesting with Rudy Giuliani. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about Rudy later in the show with Renato Mariotti. Uh, We're also going to talk about the Greenberg plea deal. But in recent weeks, former guy has argued behind closed doors that uh, he wouldn't want to say Giuliani was doing all of the Ukraine work on Trump's behalf, right? All of that transatlantic dirt digging expeditions on the on the Biden family that mm-hmm. eventually led to Trump's first impeachment. Well, Trump doesn't want to say he's he's argued that he doesn't want to come out and make a public statement that that Giuliani was just doing it on on Trump's behalf. That's according to a person close to the former president. Trump's reasoning. Uh, is based in the ex-president's insistence that he didn't always know what Giuliani was doing during the Ukraine effort on concocting bullshit with his Ukrainian pals, several of whom Trump has privately dinged as idiots, quote-unquote. There's the pot calling the kettle black, my (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who's in trouble now? Two sources close to the former guy each said Trump has repeatedly expressed sympathy for Rudy's ongoing woes, but has not committed to overtly assisting him. Another person familiar with the situation told the Daily Beast, Giuliani has said he remains convinced that Trump won't abandon him and will step up when the time <laughs> is right. <laughs> he can't. I don't understand if Julie, if Rudy Giuliani realizes that he he can't. Otherwise, he implicates himself. Right. He's also a civilian now. Like it's just you're, you're yeah you're putting your money on the wrong horse or yeah. ass. And do they do they race? I think they race. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Giuliani has repeatedly argued that his effort to oust Marie Ivanovich and his, you know, his three amigos, the idiots that went over to Ukraine, were, that, mm-hmm. that carried out solely on behalf of, of Trump, trying to give himself cover for not registering as a foreign agent. Quote, nothing Donald Trump may say publicly to help Giuliani is likely to get into evidence. That's according to David Laufman, who's a partner at Wigan and Dana and a former chief of the Justice Department's counterintelligence and export control section, which oversees FARA prosecutions. He said he goes on to say Giuliani's attorney will be able to cross-examine the government's witness if he's charged. And Giuliani always has the option of testifying in his own defense. Bad (laughs) idea. That's a bad idea. But any press statements by Donald Trump to the effect of, hey, he was working for me, almost certainly are not going to come into evidence. It's highly improbable for Trump to testify for Giuliani. The notion of Giuliani trying to use the attorney-client privilege as a shield would go out the window. The privilege is held by Trump, not by Giuliani. So he... <laughs> <laughs> and remember, if he throws Giuliani under a bus, that's not an oil leak. That's Giuliani's hair dye just coming off his face. <laughs> Him just shitting his face again. Somebody oh, said. my God. Oh, this next story to me is there's so much craziness about it. A Colorado man who was recently charged with murder, charged with murder and the disappearance of his wife a year ago has also been charged with voter fraud for voting for Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential election using his wife's mail-in ballot. And this is according to an affidavit. Barely Morphew last week was charged with murder. As I said, he was charged tampering with physical evidence and attempting to influence a public servant in connection with the death of his wife, Suzanne Morphew. 
Now, Suzanne was reported missing May 10th, 2020. An arrest warrant filed in Chaffee County, Colorado on Thursday shows Barry. He faces charges of forgery and offenses related to mail ballots. So the affidavit shows that a Chaffee County clerk reported that alleged voter fraud on October 22nd of 2020 after receiving a voter ballot pre-designated for a missing person identified as Suzanne Renee Morphew. Now, while the ballot did not have a voter signature, it had a handwritten name of Barry Lee Morphew on the designated signature line for for a witness. Now, of course, just as the witness, because no one else was signing this, according to the affidavit, when FBI agents went to interview Barry on April 22nd, 2021, so this was just last month, he told them he did it because he wanted Trump to win the re-election. Now, Barry replied, just because I wanted Trump, referring to the former guy, to win And I just thought, give him, referring to the former guy, another vote. That's what I was going to do, is just going to give him another vote. Morphew uh, allegedly also said, I figured all these other guys are cheating. I know she was going to vote for Trump anyway. So he allegedly told investigators that he didn't know it was illegal to vote for your spouse. Mind you, he has been arrested for murdering her. So apparently he's a little iffy with the law in general. What if she told him he was, she was going to vote for Biden? And, and then that's he, why he took her out? And then he, and then he, yeah, rubbed her out and voted for Trump instead. What if that was his whole purpose? I wouldn't put I it past mean, him. I mean, I bless, we need some mental health reform in this country. My God. Uh, he is scheduled to be back in court again on May 27th, AG. Yeah, I'm sure there's I'm sorry, enough. excuse me, Allison Gill. Oh, <laughs> stop making fun of my name. I'm not making fun of your name. Just want to make sure that I help your brand. I'm just mad that I ambushed you. Uh, all right. <laughs> Next up. Uh, this is troubling because Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Monday he's not yet seen any evidence supporting Israel's claim that Hamas operated at, in a Gaza building that also housed the Associated Press and other media outlets. It was destroyed by an Israeli airstrike. Blinken said he has pressed Israel for justification of destroying that building. Blinken spoke at a news conference in Copenhagen a day after the AP's top editor called for an independent investigation into the airstrike over the weekend that targeted and destroyed a Gaza City building which housed AP, Al Jazeera, and other media outlets, saying the public deserves to know the facts. Israel destroyed the building housing the AP and Al Jazeera and claimed that Hamas used the building for a military intelligence office. Separately, media watchdog reporters without borders asked the International Criminal Court, that's Hague, right, ICC, to investigate Israel's bombing of a building housing the media organizations as a possible war crime. Sally Busby, Associated Press's executive editor, said that the Israeli government has yet to provide clear evidence supporting its attack, which leveled the 12-story Al-Jala Tower. The Israeli military, which gave AP journalists and other tenants about an hour to evacuate, claimed Hamas used the building for military intelligence offices and weapons development. Israeli military spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Konrikus said Israel was compiling evidence for the U.S., but declined to comment to providing it within the next two days. Blinken said he's personally not seen any Israeli evidence of Hamas operating in the building and has asked Israel for justification of the airstrike. Quote, shortly after the strike, we did request additional details regarding the justification for it. He will, uh, we will leave it to others to characterize if any information has been shared and our assessment of that information. But he said, I have not seen any information provided. There's so much going on over there. It is really hard to make sense of it. So we'll keep you updated more on what's, you know, the, the happenings over in that area. 
Um, I do have good news for the for the world, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating, for the globe. Uh, President Joe Biden said Monday his administration would share millions, millions more doses of COVID-19 vaccines with other countries in addition to the 60 million doses of AstraZeneca vaccine he's already committed to sharing by July 4th. Biden said the U.S. would share at least 20 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines by the end of next month. That's a total of 80 million doses that are set to be sent abroad. This additional 20 million doses will consist of Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson vaccines, as well as the AstraZeneca, which has to be approved by federal regulators before being shipped overseas. That effort is now on its way. And this is a quote, we need to help fight this disease around the world and to keep us safe here at home and to do the right thing, helping other people. It's the right thing to do. It's the smart thing to do. It's the strong thing to do, Biden said in remarks delivered at the White House. The president said, we want to lead the world with our values, with this um, demonstration of our innovation and ingenuity and the fundamental decency of the American people. Biden added the White House COVID-19 response coordinator Jeff Zients is in charge of this effort in coordination with the National Security Council and State Department. The president noted the U.S. was committing to sharing five times more than any other country had donated in the COVID-19 vaccines, which we should. We are one of the most wealthy countries in the world, if not the. This is our chance to lead, and I am so proud of the job that his administration is doing. I really am. I just could not be happier about my vote at this point. I knew I was going to be back then, and he just reaffirms it day after day with the work he's doing. So, and these these are donated vaccines that 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 America paid for. So, if you have vaccine vaccine hesitant or anti vaxxers like you know Trump supporters in your life, say hey. You know, the vaccines that, that we paid for, Biden's going to send them to other countries if you don't want them. So, and that, that might anger them enough to go, no, you're not taking my shit. And maybe they'll go get it. Well, let's hope. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, how else do you appeal to an absolute anti-science troglodyte? I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. We're sending them overseas. If We're giving them away if you don't take them, you know. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know, but this is the scary story of the day. The Supreme oh, Court it's just tough. has agreed to take up a key abortion case uh, in the fall concerning a controversial Mississippi law that bans most abortions after 15 weeks, even in rape and incest. And this is uh, teeing up a major challenge to Roe v. Wade. And, and, and as we know now, we've got the majority conservative court. Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban, which then Governor Phil Bryant, a Republican, signed into law in 2018, made exceptions only for medical emergencies or cases in which there is a severe fetal abnormality, but not for instances of rape or incest. A federal judge in Mississippi struck down the law in November 2018, and the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld that ruling of it being struck down in December 2019 after being rescheduled for the court's consideration conference over a dozen times, perhaps waiting for a more favorable outcome. The case could present a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade. As we know, the 1973 landmark SCOTUS decision legalizing abortion nationwide prior to viability, which can occur around 24 weeks. Uh, The court will hear the case this fall, and we'll go over the case in more detail on this Wednesday's cleanup on aisle 45 and how it squares with Biden's court reform commission. So that's happening. It's uh, I'm frightened. There's a lot of provisions in this law. It seems that the court could uphold some and turn down others. But, you know, and Dana, you and I have talked about this. There have been some ridiculously dumb abortion bills and that the Supreme Court was just rating for the right one. Yeah. And I think that this could could be the one. But uh, we'll have to get out in the streets if that's the case. It's this fall. So pack your bags. 
Put on your marching boots. I'm ready to go. I'm getting in shape for it. All right, cool. Everybody, we'll be right back with Renato Mariotti to discuss the Greenberg plea deal and some Rudy under the bus situations. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG, and today's episode is brought to you by American Giant. These days, so many products are mass-produced, made flimsily, they end up in landfills, we have to keep buying more. But if you look back at the craftsmanship of the past, you'll see it wasn't always this way, and it doesn't have to be. Bayard Winthrop, who's the CEO and founder of American Giant, grew up with a sweatshirt from the 50s in his closet that his father gave him. Today, it's still there, and it looks better than ever. With that durable sweatshirt in mind, American Giant launched with its classic full-zip hoodie as their flagship product, aiming to revive local manufacturing and craft quality clothing made to last a lifetime. American Giant believes clothes should be wearable for years so you don't buy more than you need. With their passion for durable clothing, they've crafted what Slate magazine calls the greatest hoodie ever made, the classic full-zip hoodie. Slate says, but there really is no comparison between American Giant's hoodie and the competition. It looks better and feels substantially more durable. And when you wear this hoodie, you'll wonder why all other clothes aren't made as well. And I have to agree, I got it myself. I had to see what the hype was about, and it totally lived up to and surpassed it. It has got these elbow pads to prevent, you know, wearing, and it's got this these slim panels that helps with the help with your mobility. It's just got this great heft to it, like when you put all the double D batteries in your boombox. You know, it just feels good. And it's got the metal hardware, metal zipper, 100% American made um, from cotton. And when I first tried on the classic full zip, I was so impressed. And I have to say, it is the greatest hoodie ever made. So I agree. And get your classic full zip hoodie at American-Giant.com today and use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, for 15% off your first order. That is 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. Everybody, welcome back. Joining me today, host of the On Topic podcast and former federal prosecutor, also a columnist for Politico Mag. Please welcome Renato Mariotti. Renato, welcome. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing uh, really well. And there's a couple of things that you've been uh, discussing publicly and on your podcast and, and putting out in, in print there for Politico Mag that I wanted to talk to you about today. Most specifically, top of line is, you know, today uh, we had that guilty plea, that plea hearing, plea change hearing with Joel Greenberg. And I've read through the entire plea agreement. There are some heinous crimes outlined in here, but notably, Matt Gates is not named in this agreement, nor is Congressman one or Congressman two or who knows how many mm-hmm. other uh, Republican, you know, Florida Republican uh, people are going to be wrapped up in this. But it does say that Greenberg introduced a minor to other adult men. But w- what reasons would prosecutors have to leave Greenberg's name or the names of others out of this particular document? You know, I, it's a question I've been spending a lot of time thinking about today. You might imagine my editor of Politico is asking me a similar question. And, and what I will just what I would say is that, um, you know, I think it probably means that prosecutors are keeping their options open. They have not yet developed the, their case uh, as to certain individuals on the sex trafficking uh, counts. And they're not sure who they're going to charge and who they're not going to charge. And they don't want to have um, a situation potentially where they're they're going to have somebody who's going to be a cooperator who won't be charged, somebody who they think is more culpable, who they want to charge. So I think that is probably what it is. It's also possible that for certain individuals, they have not identified those people. That's another possibility. So it's not clear. One thing that I do want to say, though, is that the fact that no one's named is not dispositive at all. In fact, as you point out, you mentioned Congressman One. 
that's exactly what we've had. What did we have? Candidate one and we've, you know, uh, Republic official one. Uh, we've seen a lot of that lately. And that's because just Justice Department policy is that you don't name anyone who isn't charged in a in a document like this. Yeah. And and maybe even taking it a step further by not even masking the name of anybody, like you said, keeping their options open. It could also be very hard to try a case fairly if you mention or at least allude to, I mean, if they said Congressman won, everybody's mm-hmm. going to know, uh, you know, sort of what who, right. who they're referring to in this particular case, at least. And so maybe they're, you know, they want to keep that sort of clean and out of the public. Yeah, I think that's very possible. And to, to be very blunt, the details of, you know, who that person is are, are not the sort of thing that they're probably concerned about pinning down this cooperator on. In other words, one reason that we put a lot of details when, you know, when I was a prosecutor, you're putting a lot of detail in a plea agreement is to make sure that you got that person under oath admitting this stuff. Cause Hey, this guy's a fraudster. He's a liar. You want to get it all, all in paper. But here, if he's going to say that he set up people for, for uh, to uh, engage in sex trafficking at this point, uh, it's or excuse me, for uh, a commercial sex act, you know, he's not going to leave off Matt Gates at this point. Yeah. And his lawyer made a little statement uh, this morning saying, oh, I guess it's must-see TV. You'll just have to find out, you know. Uh, <laughs> what an interesting lawyer that fella has has picked up. And, and uh, you know, that, that the caliber of his legal counsel and his grotesque and heinous list of 33 federal crimes as outlined in this plea agreement make him – a, a crap witness, honestly. And so they, you know, I, I would assume, and I've, I've had discussions already on the show about this, that they've got the, they've got at least been able to corroborate a lot of what they're expecting to get out of proffer sessions with, with Greenberg. Yeah. I think there's a chance he may not testify at a trial or testify in a very limited basis. Like all the, you know, all he's doing is giving testimony and some narrow things. Cause as you point out, I mean, he is, a definition of uh, of a uh, you know problematic cooperator, right? You know, reasonable doubt is uh, Joel Greenberg's middle name, that <laughs> sort of thing, right? He walks in, he walks in. I mean, look, Joe, Greenberg is a, a convicted uh, convicted fraudster, admitted liar, and like you said, I mean, this is a guy like the way that some people want to vi- uh, visit every state. This guy wants to commit every crime in the United States Code, so. Uh, yeah, look, uh, really bad guy, a guy the jury wouldn't like if you went to trial. It's not hard to see from this long list of crimes that we've that we've uh, seen here in the plea agreement why this guy ended up cooperating. I hope he doesn't testify or he like he really shouldn't. And a lot of folks actually, I know Ellie Honig was saying that he thinks that this is a uh, a mistake uh, to to forgive so many indictments for such a terrible witness, uh, you know, but I, I think it, it at the very least, whether you consider it a misstep or not, it speaks to the volume or importance of what he may be able to cor- corroborate uh, with other with other witnesses. This isn't just a plea deal because, you know, he's a nice fella. Yeah, look, as a prosecutor, when prosecutors are always weighing, uh, first of all, the risks of going to trial, you also have to understand there are there are real costs on the victims as well. And that includes the young women involved. Even though, um, you know, some of them got paid, maybe they don't all regard themselves as victims. Nonetheless, that could be a very difficult experience for them. 
Uh, so they're taking a plea always, there are some benefit to the government and to others there, to the public interest. But separate and apart from that, I believe that the government would not have given this guy a deal if they didn't think he was delivering something very significant. In other words, not just a case against some guy who helped him steal money for crypto, but I think a, a serious, some sort of serious I would think somebody involved in the, the child, uh, the sex trafficking of a minor, or the uh, commercial sex act with a minor. I think would be the the logical uh, thing here because that's a serious offense. It's got a significant mandatory minimum. If you're going to allow them to go under that mandatory minimum, uh, you know, you better get something uh, significant for the public interest in advance, or if not, the judge is going to wonder what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, as will all of us. Um, and <laughs> Gates may have stepped in it this weekend at a Republican retreat. He, first of all, denied that he ever took money for, quote unquote, naughty favors. Uh, and he claimed that the real crimes are members who take favors for earmarks or votes uh, to something to to that effect. And I was wondering, uh, while that may just seem like a passing jerk statement, it could have implications, right? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly if he ever took the stand, it's something that I would ask him question about. I, I would even consider uh, opening with that if I was crossing him. You know, usually you start with something very solid in the beginning, but you know, there that's something he said. He said it, and he can't deny saying it. And it really, to me, it goes to minimizing a serious offense. One thing that you know, first of all, it just it speaks volumes about who this guy is because. Any crime involving the sexual exploitation of a minor is is insanely serious. It's amongst the most serious kind of crimes that that you come across as a prosecutor. Certainly for me, the crimes that still have an impact on me many years later that I investigated and prosecuted involve the child uh, exploitation of children. And so uh, a jury is going to hate this this guy for be whoever it is you know anybody you know if he is charged with that they're not going to like it and trying to minimize that as something naughty uh, it's more than being naughty so um, does not speak well of 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 the man uh, to to respond in that way to a serious allegation I mean it's reprehensible. Yeah. And of course, his statements have always been he de- he denies any wrongdoing. He denies um, as an adult man ever having sex with a 17 year old. But he can't do anything but deny that. Right. Because there's no sort of gray area when it comes to when it comes to that. Uh, you you know, some people will argue after they've already been convicted that will, you know, consent, the age of consent should be lower or uh, it was consensual or something like that. But you, in this particular case, if if you say, well, you know, she consented, then you're admitting and now you're just guilty. I mean, there's he, he has to deny it. So, you know, you should take that with a grain of salt that he denies this particular allegation. Well, yeah, look, uh, <laughs> uh, as now I'm a defense attorney, obviously you always deny the you know, you're not going to admit the crime before before you're charged or before there's a trial. But um you know, and this one thing that's an interesting thing about this particular crime is it's 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 got an element where your knowledge and your uh, intent there doesn't necessarily matter. And in other words, maybe the you you thought the person was over eighteen. Maybe she told you she's over eighteen. But the way that the statute works, if you can see her and you have a chance to apprehend this uh, this uh, person, 
And uh, you can, you know, you are on the hook if she ends up being a minor. And, uh, you know, I think it's written uh, in order to put the onus on people who are engaging in this activity uh, to know like, hey, you better be careful. You better be, you're, the risk is on you. Hmm. So uh, don't, don't do this. <laughs> don't, take, don't take that risk. It's a way of protecting minors. And that's why the law is written that way. And, you know, if he has a problem with that, he'll have to take it up with the United States Congress. And, you know, and the, and the federal judge that's uh, going to be sentencing him. Yeah. And he certainly can't say, oh, well, no, I, I used my friend Joel Greenberg's office and computers at the DMV <laughs> to find out how old they were, because then that's a crime also. Uh, <laughs> so, you, know, you can't. There's just no way out of it. Um, and, and rightfully so. I, I want to ask you a couple of uh, quick questions about the piece that you wrote about Rudy Giuliani. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. Great, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison. Did you know most home remedies and over-the-counter acne products do not work? And even worse, they can damage your skin. Um, The worst advice I got was... I was 16 years old. I was told to put hemorrhoid cream on my zits. That's absolutely not the way to go. The best way to go, prescription treatments. That's why we're excited to partner with Apostrophe, and they sponsored this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne, subscribed by a board-certified dermatologist. Apostrophe connects you with that dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that's perfectly tailored for your unique skin. Just fill out the online quiz about your skin, snap a few selfies, and your dermatologist will create your customized plan. Apostrophe treats acne, but they can also help hit up your skincare goals like reducing redness or reducing wrinkles and even dark spots. My personal skincare goals as an adult is to avoid acne. I was supposed to get zit clemency at this age, but I did not. And especially the mat, the acne I get around where I wear my mask. And I want to reduce a couple of dark spots. And I've got some, you know, some wrinkles uh, around my eyes. And my eyes are my most prominent feature now that I wear a mask. And so I want them to look their best. Um, I didn't have to go to the pharmacy. I didn't have to wait in line. Uh, they sent the meds directly to me, and the prescription medications feel great on my skin. They're lightweight, and they feel clean and smooth and silky. They absorb nicely. And we have a special deal. You can save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash beans when you use our code beans. This code is only available to you, so get started. Go to apostrophe.com slash beans, click begin visit, and then use code beans at sign up, and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash beans. And use the code beans to get your dermatology visit and save $15. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to the host of the On Topic podcast, a member of MSW Media Network, by the way, uh, and also former federal prosecutor, uh, Renato Mariotti. Renato, tell me about this uh, this piece that you did that got a huge response. Uh, uh, and I've, I picked it up on your Twitter account about uh, your opinion, Giuliani's legal trouble is Trump's too. Tell us about that piece. So Rudy Giuliani is obviously in big trouble. Uh, the, the government doesn't come and search your residence and take your, seize your electronic devices uh, unless you're, you're, they're getting ready to charge you, okay? Remember, they're, they're building a case to charge you. I yeah, mean, it's common sense. Especially if you're a lawyer and especially, especially if you're the president's, former president's lawyer. Yeah, I mean, only Rudy Giuliani could try to deny the obvious here, okay? I mean, you're obvious. Anybody, I could ask somebody on the street, they know you're in big trouble. And, you know, what we've reportedly heard, right, what the New York Times and others have said is essentially, you know, he was doing this work on behalf of, uh, you know, Ukrainian oligarchs, officials, where he was essentially lobbying for them 
and was not registered in the United States to do so. And it's really a, a bizarre situation where you're the personal lawyer of the president of the United States and you're trading on that relationship. It's also highly unethical as a lawyer to be trading on that relationship uh, in order to further your own interests because you're getting hired by somebody else. And so um, because you're supposed to have an undivided loyalty to that client. In any event, the, 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 uh, the logical uh, defense here for Giuliani is going to have to be, I did everything with Trump's knowledge, consent. Uh, he directed me. He was 100% on board. And so I believe that I was not acting in Ukraine's interest. I was acting in the United States interest. And that very well may have been the case. I don't know. I wasn't there. But here's what I do know as a person with two eyes and two ears is that Don there's no way in hell that Donald Trump is going to take the witness stand, raise his <laughs> right hand, and testify that he, not Rudy Giuliani, is responsible for all these foibles that have led Giuliani into this situation. Uh, if for no other reason that Trump's not going to want to be in that situation where he could be embarrassed, he's not going to want to be potentially uh, caught telling a lie under oath. He's going to he's going to just deny it and cut Rudy loose like he cut his last lawyer who got in trouble loose. Uh, and so, you know, if if Trump backs away from Rudy and isn't willing to, you know, put put up for Rudy there and, and testify, Rudy really only has one option. And that's to point the finger at Trump. And I think that's for that reason. Uh, that seems to me to be a fairly logical way this is going to play out. And I'm very interested to see this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this uh, unfold. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And some of the responses that perhaps would will probably be filed under seal. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. And, and of course, if I were, if I were questioning a Trump under oath, which will never happen, uh, e either me being a lawyer or him being under oath, uh, I, I would, I would be like, well, that's interesting. If, if he does, you know, if he would say that he, he was directing and ordering him to do that, that's interesting because you have said uh, several times in public on many occasions that Rudy was doing his own thing and acting on his own, <laughs> and, uh, and we know now from some reporting out from the Daily Beast that Trump has been asked and advised. Uh, not to not to speak up on behalf of that and also to cover some of his legal expenses. I know that that was something else that uh, Dershowitz was also hoping that he would come out and in favor of saying that whatever was seized from Rudy's office and home is attorney client privilege, which, as we know, is only is uh, it's only good if there's no crimes uh, in, in those particular documents. So but Trump is, has kind of let Rudy hang out to dry. But like you said, he can't feel safe in that move. Yeah, I, I will tell you, if I was Rudy, I would feel uh, very isolated. We did see some reports that Rudy's very upset about his legal fees not getting paid for. As somebody who now uh, represents uh, people who are under investigation, I will tell you, those bills can can get quite large over time. Uh, and it can be difficult if you don't have somebody helping you to pay. And in Rudy's case, he basically torched his entire reputation on behalf of Donald Trump. And, and put himself out there. So, it, you know, seeing that lack of loyalty from Trump is another thing that would you would think would spur Rudy on to realize he's in it for himself. I think there was definitely a moment for Michael Cohen where the same thing happened. Right. It's almost it's almost like we're seeing it's like we saw this movie before. Right. 
the exact yeah. movie, the exact movie rated in April, special master <laughs> appointed, going through the documents, taint team comes in, uh, indictment happens for Cohen in August. We'll see what happens with Rudy. But, uh, you know, that's still very open and ongoing, that investigation. But Rudy has said multiple times, which he's now said he was joking, that, you know, he's got an insurance policy, right? He's got this insurance policy against Trump. But uh, it's... It's got to be because Trump is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't, uh, uh, both on, you know, in this in this particular case, whether he throws Rudy under the bus, he's, Rudy's not going to that's not just going to disappear. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it, it, Trump, the, the thing is that actually may be the, the smart move for Trump is to just distance himself from Rudy uh, because embracing Rudy at this point may not be exactly a good move either. So, you know, that's a very interesting situation that both of them have gotten themselves into. Uh, I will say, um, you know, we saw certainly with Michael Cohen, uh, you know, how in the end he was pointing the finger at Trump. He did implicate Trump in a crime. Um, what was interesting there is, of course, his own credibility problems uh, really helped undermine any case that he could have made. I mean, the prosecutors made clear that they didn't trust the word he was saying. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether Rudy, I mean, would be credible. The funny thing is, if you told me 20 years ago, 10 years ago, Rudy Giuliani, he's a respected former federal prosecutor. Um, and so I have to hope in my old age, I don't, uh, I don't start uh, lobbying in the Ukraine and uh, visiting uh, landscaping businesses to give my uh, speeches or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, I'm sure there's some sort of compromised made man mob situation going on here where nobody really had any good choices. I'm just reminded of the Alan Arkin at the end of Little Miss Sunshine when he's shooting heroin and and, and he's like, ah, I'm 70 years old. Who cares? You know, that's kind of how I feel about Rudy here. But he he had to have known uh, after, I mean, just first of all, because of who Trump is and having worked with him or known him. And then second of all, because of what happened to Cohen, uh, you know, when do you learn that there is no that's a one way loyalty street. And uh, I think we're, we're about to find out exactly how far down that street Rudy is willing to go. Yeah, no question about it. You know, it is, you know, we were, I was saying earlier, it's like they may, we've seen the movie before. It's like when Hollywood uh, comes out with the same movies at the same time. We have those, we're doing volcano movies this summer and like there's two different ones that come out the same summer. You know, that, that's that's what we've what we've got here. It's interesting that Rudy really hasn't learned. But, you know, I think with him, there may have been a desire to be relevant and important uh, or something of that nature. I felt the same way about Bill Barr, like why these guys came out of retirement effectively. Ty Cobb, there's all these guys who are sort of like, I don't know, their best years may have been behind them. And they this is instead of golfing, they decided to take up uh, trumping as their hobby. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I will just uh, I will say uh, for Rudy that, you know, it's he's got a talented lawyer, but it is going to take it's going to take some real strategy, uh, you know, to, if you, if assuming the government goes forward with charges. And I really have to believe this is something that not only is, like I said, it's common sense how serious it is, but it has to be cleared at really high levels in the Justice Department. They would not go in with with without evidence that they felt very strong strong about in that warrant. Yeah, and taking a second swing at it, too. They tried this last year, and Jeffrey Rosen, acting attorney general, said no. 
Uh, and now they're they're trying it again. Uh, and, and they got their their warrant executed, whether it was on new evidence or the same old evidence, because Rudy doesn't know how to destroy evidence, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as as someone once said, uh, the most dangerous place in the world is between Rudy Giuliani and a microphone. So it, it may have just been for the relevance. But I appreciate your time today. Uh, tell tell everyone where they can find you in your podcast. Yeah, so look, you can find my podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or any place like that, uh, Google Play. Uh, it's also available on topicpodcast.com. And we have a new network uh, that is debuting very soon where you're going to be able to check out not only my podcast, but a whole, a whole slew of other podcasts uh, that, that uh, are part of this family. Mm. Independently creator-owned podcast focused on news, politics, and justice. Thank you. Uh, MSWmedia.com. Your podcast is up there, too, and all, as well as all of our other shows. Thank you very much for coming on today, and uh, we will talk soon because this is about to get good. Thank you. Hey, everybody, this portion of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp, providing professional, convenient online counseling. Life is amazing, but it can be stressful. And when I'm feeling the pressure and anxiety of tough situations and hard days, I try to remember I don't have to face it alone, and neither do you. So if you're dealing with anything preventing you from living your best life, I highly recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling online to help you navigate life's challenges. This isn't a crisis line or self-help. It is licensed professional therapy done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It is so convenient. You know, I've had my challenges with post-traumatic stress, and I can send messages to my provider any time from the convenience of my own home. It's available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send messages. So you get timely, thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, too. And they're committed to great therapeutic matches, so it's free and easy to change your counselor if you want to. So visit their website and read some testimonials, like this BetterHelp user, M.I., who says, Dr. Smith was exactly what I needed to start my counseling journey. I was hesitant to start out of fear, but she quickly made me feel comfortable and proved that she genuinely cared over and over. I would recommend her without reservation to anyone who needs to be heard and healed. I can't thank her enough for the impact she's made on my life in just a few months. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for listeners, get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. And today's episode is also brought to you today uh, by some wine, <laughs> which I think is absolutely wonderful. Uh, sometimes I'm at, there's just so much to choose from. When I'm at the store, looking at the shelves and shelves of, of different wines. Uh, but you know what? I found a better way. It's called First Leaf. It is, uh, you can discover your favorite wines at a fraction of the price that you'll find in the store. And it's fully customizable. It's a wine club that sends curated boxes of wine that are perfect for you. And they have more award-winning wine than anyone else. With First Leaf, there's no guesswork, no misguided recommendations from an employee who doesn't know what wine is like or <laughs> they don't know what you like. And there's no frustration on your part either. Each wine shipment is entirely customized to your unique palate and preferences. And unlike big box wine memberships, First Leaf uses one-of-a-kind algorithms and your feedback to curate your future wine recommendations. And the more wines you taste, the better it gets at knowing you. And I love this system. Each shipment has improved more as I dial in exactly what I like most. And the great thing about First Leaf is it works directly with the world's best winemakers. So you can save up to 60% off when they pass that savings off to you. I love the convenience and it's exciting doing the unboxings and then the tastings and the different amazing varietals. I like how flexible their subscription system is. It's up to me what wines I get and when I get them and how often. 
I usually prefer dry reds, but sometimes I like to mix in a variety. There's Chardonnay here and there or something. I've got a few favorites, but I love trying new wines for the first time, too. And you'll love wine like I do, and I highly recommend trying out First Leaf. Save time and money and stress with First Leaf. It's the wine club designed with you in mind. So join today. You'll get six bottles for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash dailybeans. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Dana, we need this good news today. We really do. And so I'm glad that everyone has sent in their stories, confessions, good news, misheard lyrics, share a swear, find a mutt. No, what the mutt, find a cat. Sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> get those. But we'll find your mutt, too, if you want. We can find your mutt. Yeah, yeah if your dog's missing, let us know. And we can what the cat, although I'm not cat breeds, right? <laughs> no, that one's on you. I am not what the cat. <laughs> what the I, cat? There, I, I would be like, it's it's orange and white. I think that's a calico. Tabby colored likes a fella. Yeah. All right. If you want to send us anything, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. <laughs> Every cat, I'd be like, that's a man face. That's a man, <laughs> man face. face cat. That cat's a man face. Man face cat. <laughs> Although it would be fun to try to guess the gender of cats. Oh, yeah. gender. Although what if there's, I have friends that say they have gender neutral animals. I think we're just getting into hot water yeah, there. You're right. You're right. Well, let's just go with what we've got sent into us today then, shall we? And I'll begin with Nathaniel. Probably a good idea if we just stop talking. He's not going to talk about cats' genders anymore. Nathaniel, pronouns he and him. Hi, ladies. Thanks for doing what you do. It's been especially important to me over the last year plus as the former guy was thrown out and the quarantine dragged on. Knowing that sane and competent people were paying attention to the crimes being committed in plain sight helped me keep sane. Now that we can see the light at the end of the quarantine tunnel, I'll tell you the good news, which I guess is also a confession. In the heart of the quarantine, I somehow managed to get myself together and publish my first book. Nice. It's called Unpleasantness, Ghost Stories for the Depressed. That sounds fantastic. I know. I want to read it. Uh, my only real ambition in life was to write. And in 2016, I finally had a completed first draft. Then I worked on it for three years before panicking and backing out of publishing and stalling to endlessly edit and rewrite. After COVID hit, the former guy failed to respond in any meaningful way. I told myself things might get worse. So this may be the only time I'll ever be able to do it. So I did it. Uh, though I've only sold about 200 copies, I am glad I forced myself to do it. Surprisingly, I've gotten good reviews, so there's that. Something good happened. I don't have any pets for the pod tax, but I do have this snake plant in a pickle jar. That counts, right? <laughs> snake plant in a pickle jar. <laughs> I say yes, it counts, and thank you. Again, it's called Unpleasantness. Ghost Stories for the Depressed. I'm going to pick up a copy. Thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you so much. I love that. We've got to make something out of that snake plant in a pickle jar. That should be a new curse. Yeah. <laughs> got snake plant in a pickle snake jar. Snake plant in a pickle jar. What are you doing? Yep. All right. This next one's from Lillian, pronoun she and her. A good news. Last year, the same week COVID was declared a global pandemic, we were told our son, then 14, had moderate severe Crohn's throughout his digestive tract. While it answered a lot of questions, like why he had stopped growing, why he was behind his peers in development, why he lost 10 pounds in the past weeks, etc., it meant putting him on immunosuppressive drugs as soon as insurance would approve them. Well, 14 months later, he's gained 30 pounds, 5 inches in height, and just yesterday, on his first day available, got his first Pfizer shot. Ah. Hell yeah. It's unclear if his immune system will mount a full response, so herd immunity will still be very important. Get your shots, people. Yep. Yes, yes. But Lillian, that is fantastic. Mm. Five inches. Whoo. 
I know. Bless his heart. He must be having some growing pains. And I mean that very literally. That is a lot to grow very quickly. It is. Well, all of our positive thoughts and vibes are sent to you, Lillian, and your family and your son. So thank you for writing in. That's a hard, that's a tough one, you know. And that's why everyone's kind of like, what? We can have our masks off? What? I don't, you know, and I'm... I'm kind of uh, going with the governor of New Jersey on this. He's like, we're going to hold out a couple more weeks because we've been burned before and mm-hmm. we're going to keep wearing our masks. Uh, you do you because um, the CDC is over here saying, hey, honor system is only if you're being honest with yourself, because if you're if you're not vaccinated, you're putting yourself at risk. But we still have kids. Um, there's still, I think, about 13 million kids, 12 to 15, who haven't been vaccinated and we haven't even gotten approval for two to 11 year olds. And, you know, they can definitely be full vectors of of this disease, even though they don't get sick very often. And then there's a lot of people who are immunosuppressed who can't, you know, either can't get the shot or, you know, because of other factors like they're allergic. And and I think it's just we're sort of migrating from the mask protects you to a the mask now protects me scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if I'm out wearing them, there's a bunch of people who I can't tell if they've been vaccinated or not. Right. And so I'm wearing my mask to protect myself. But as we know, these cloth masks aren't really super good protection against getting it. They're super good protection against giving it. It's just interesting to see sort of this battle between businesses, local governments, state governments, and this, what the CDC is recommending go on. I, for one, I'm going to continue to wear my mask and in most situations and because that's what I, that's what I choose to do. It's my face. Mm-hmm. Me too. It's my face. <laughs> it's my fucking face. It's my face. I'd be like getting all angry because I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt, you know, like mm, you need to show your arms when you're outside. Like what? Right. You're like, no, I Leave don't. Leave me alone. You're wearing a fedora. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I only say that because I know you have one and you love it. <laughs> I do. I like my fedora. Um, all right. Next up from Anna, pronoun she and her. This is a mix of good and frustrating news. First, the unequivocally great news. My son is 15. He was able to get his first dose of the Pfizer vaccine on the very first day he was allowed. He will be two weeks past his second dose when we leave for our family road trip this summer. That's awesome. Next is the complicated news. My husband ran for local office against people backed by literal insurrectionists and lost by less than 30 votes. Oh, that sucks. But. While he wanted to win before, now he's super motivated to kick ass when he runs against someone who was dumb enough to film him himself in the Capitol building. Yes, he's been reported to the FBI. I'm hoping they will do something with it. So even though we lost, he's not stopping and will continue to push for change in this tiny town of less than 3,000 people. Here's to hoping if we continue to do the work, people will vote for someone with a brain and a spine. For pet tax, I'm attaching photos of my ridiculous dogs, Zorro and Montana. Great names. They are both rescue dogs. Montana the Pity was found on the side of the road after being hit by a car. She sleeps holding her remaining back leg. Oh, she's a tripod. I guess to make sure no one takes it. (laughs) Zora was an abuse case and is slowly learning that not all sudden movements are bad. He's a nut who has learned to live the good life. Look at this baby. So sweet. And I'll tell you this right now. I don't have much, but if your husband decides to make a video like this first ad using the footage from this idiot who posted his insurrection at the Capitol, I will be the first to donate five, ten dollars to help get this thing on air so he can use it because it's public domain now. If he posted it online, yep. you should be able to use that video. Just yeah. saying. And I will say here, Zorro is looking pretty comfortable 
in his new house. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, that's adorable. Oh, such cute pups. Thank you so much for that. All right. This next one's from Zarina, pronouns she and her. Hey, Beans Queens. I'm a Canadian in suburb outside of Toronto, Ontario. And I drove past a car that had a decal on the back window, which was hashtag WWG1WGA. It seems Q has infiltrated Canada, which seems crazy because nothing about anything QAnon comports with anything Canadian. So weird to see one in the wild as this far north of their usual habitat. Um, I've been an avid listener and subscriber for a few years now, and your pod is an integral part of my day for a good laugh and a great dissection of the news and current events. I've attached a picture of my pandemic puppy, Makita. A lot of people think she's a Boston Terrier, but she's an American bully, not to be confused with an American bulldog, which is a totally different breed. Interesting. Thank you for all you ladies do. And to AG, congrats on the start of your network. You're an inspiration. Love you all. And a final positive note, despite a crappy vaccine rollout where I live, I'm getting my first shot on Monday. I am so Yay. happy. This dog is so freaking I know. Cute. I know. Oh, sh- smiles too. Look at that stance. It's like, it's literally like almost someone put a pit bull and put it in a shrinker. Yeah. Oh, so cute. Oh my gosh. And the markings are beautiful too. So look at that chest in the butt. I want to scratch the butt. Good mantle. All right. Good mantle. All right. Next up from Fredman. Pronouns he, him, we, us. Hey, y'all. Love the podcast. I live in the Doug Collins X congressional district on the Trail of Tears and worked on the Marjorie Q. Green District of Northwest Georgia. Worked in the Marjorie Q. Green District of Northwest Georgia. Uh, I am an RN in the medical ICU at an undisclosed hospital. Happy to say our COVID numbers are way, way down. Big thank you to all the volunteer RNs sent to us by the Georgia Health Department. They really helped us uh, fight the unrelenting waves of Rona without so much as flinching. The hospital logistics team kept us supplied with excellent PPE, and all our managers truly supported us on the front line. We have had negative pressure installed in all the COVID patient rooms right from the beginning of the mess. Many thanks to the school kids who sent us cards and cookies. I hope we're done with it, but I'm fearful we aren't. I'm fully aware that many parts of the country and the world have had it far worse than than we did in northwestern Georgia. India is suffering right now in ways beyond our comprehension. Keep fighting for truth and justice. You lift my spirits every morning. Stay well. P.S. We rescue dogs and raise vislas. Oh, vislas. <gasps> Ooh, look at all three of them. All three snouts. <laughs> so cute. And thank you for everything you're doing. Wow. Indeed. Now this one's from Kanai. I'm not sure if it's our Kanai. But we've got Kanai pronouncing him. Some very fine people set up a Discord server for patrons of the Beans. Now, the greatest community of listeners and supporters that there ever was can socialize on a platform that isn't aggressively bad, like Facebook is. Please enjoy this picture of Monster Riding Butter. (laughs) (laughs) Monster Rides Butternut. That's another potential... Uh, title for this episode. I've got Snake Plant in a Pickle Jar and, and Monster Rides Butternut. I'm gonna I love it. So Discord is this online platform where you can chat with other people. So it sounds like this is a really good opportunity that some fine people set up a Discord server for patrons of the beans. So I'm sure we'll have some information on how people can get on that, AG? Yeah, that's going to get sent out in the newsletter. It's probably going to be in the show description too, specifically if it's this Kanai, if it's the Kanai I'm thinking of. Uh, that, that put yes. this in there, but it, I believe it's called the Leguminati. Uh, and, um, there's some really great, a uh, really wonderful logo that one of our, um, patrons drew. It's, 
a wonderful, wonderful community. And it's not Facebook. Yay. So <laughs> that's Yay. kind of our our mission here is to wean ourselves off the Zucker book. Indeed. Well, indeed. Thank you for all of these well, amazing good news today. Well, listen, I've got a, another online show. I'm doing a Facebook Live on uh, Wednesday, this Wednesday. Um, I guess that's in two, two what it's day my, is it's it? Tuesday. T- 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 Tuesday. Yes. So tomorrow, tomorrow, as you're listening to this, I'll be doing, uh, you know where to find me. I'll do a link in the Beans um, Facebook page, but it's going to be on Olivia Travels page. I'll share it to mine. I'll have a special guest that is not uh, quite confirmed yet, but they're always interesting and wonderful. So I hope you can join me at five o'clock Pacific uh, eight o'clock Eastern on Wednesday on the Facebook. If you are on the Facebook. Awesome. And if not, check our feeds on Twitter. I'll share that too. Just tag us, tag, tag me Dana and, and I'll Thanks, put it out Allison. on uh, the Mueller she wrote and daily beans feed. All right, everybody until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. It's weird. It's weird. Okay. Bye. <laughs> The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.